Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. for us to recalibrate our faith. Now, I don't have to say too much, don't need to say too much, but the, the church has been shook up and maybe it needed to be to get back to true north. And our true north is really understanding our Lord and how to connect with him. And... Uh, this morning when I looked at your platform I just thought how beautiful is this you've got every generation here well you're missing a few old farts like me but anyway. <laughs> did you know it's 35 days till Christmas 35 days till Christmas I got off a plane yesterday and I thought it's 35 days till Christmas and I still got a few things to do and I was so stressed last night. I'm thinking, 35 days till Christmas. I was so stressed, I went to bed and I had a shocking, a shocking dream. It was terrible. I dreamt that I was a muffler. <laughs> I woke up exhausted. Where's our keyboard player gone? <laughs> I want you to just close your eyes for a second. I don't want you to open your eyes because I have a, um, a word for two people and it's important that you don't open your eyes because I want you... You'll need to respond to this, but there's two people here and both of these are words of cars one of you, you've got a car and it's just getting by on a wing and a prayer in fact what's happening is it's making a noise in the front end of the car and your you've, your wife has been saying is that alright, is that okay and you said, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But you know it's not fine. It's not fine. Um, and I want to pray for you. You've, not, you've actually worried about it, but you've not prayed about it. So that's one. The second's related to a car as well. This other one is a, you, you've got a tyre and you know that tyre is down to the thread and it needs changing. And it's really dangerous, but you don't think you've got the money for it and you'll be okay. Well, both of those situations, neither of you have prayed about it. And I feel the Lord wants you to bring that practical issue to the Lord, pray about it and act and He will provide the money that you need to fix it. I want every eye closed. Those two people, would you place your hand in the air right now because I want to pray for you. I want you to be bold enough and honest enough you've got this clunking going on in your vehicles and that need fixing so Father we pray right now thank you thank you 
thank you for your honesty. Now, you're being honest. I see your hand. God sees it as well. So Father, I pray right now. Now, this is really important. You haven't prayed and you are going to pray. You will pray. I'm going to pray for you, but you're going to go home and pray. And once you pray, then I want you to act. And you'll find that the Lord will have a provision for you that will surprise you and bless you. Father, I pray right now for that situation, those situations. I reckon there's someone else that's got a similar situation. It's not exactly that. Thank you. Thank you for being so obedient. Lord, right now, for those that have responded in the mighty name of Jesus, when they leave here, thank you. Thank you. We've got the three. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. When they go home and pray, and as they pray, not me, as they pray, not their wife or their friend, they pray that you, Lord, and then they will act. You, Lord, are going to do something supernatural. Do you know I see money ending up in your letterbox? It really is going to surprise you. Father, I thank you that you're at work in those. In the mighty name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Okay, wonderful. You can open your eyes. There's uh, also two I want to pray before I share. Just normally I would do this at the end, but I felt to do it at the beginning. Um, there's one person here. It's your right foot, not your left foot. So don't put your hand up if it's your left foot. It's your right foot. It's back up about an inch. About I don't know what that is in centimetres. I'm old. Um, Ten centimetres, is it? Okay, under 10 centimetres. Back from your little toe, and it's a burning sensation, and it's been there for quite some time, and it is bothering you. Uh, that's one I want to pray for you. There's a second person here, your left eye. Um, you've been having a lot of trouble with the, the back of your left eye. You've, you've, you've been to the optometrist, you've been to an ophthalmologist, and you need some help. We're going to pray for that. The third person... That's your left eye, don't come if it's the right eye, it's your left. And there's one other person, it's in your back of your neck, the base of your neck, also on the left side, it's about, I don't know what that is, that much on the left side and it's like it gets stuck and it's jammed and it's been, you've had a lot of treatment. Okay, for those, and this is one other which is very odd, is not about healing but it is about the soul you've had some part of your clothing break either a belt or something you look at yourself and you don't feel good about yourself and it's like when I get my life sorted then I'll go and get a new wardrobe I don't want you to come out okay Actually, just close your eyes for a second. Those people, that last one, I do want to pray for you. If that's you, I don't want you to come out. There's one about the item of clothing breaking and when I get everything together, then I'll get a new wardrobe. Those people, you look at yourself in the mirror and think, oh, and you don't like what you see, would you place your hand in the air? The Lord wants to shift your image of yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Come Holy Spirit, move powerfully. Thank you. Move powerfully in those that have been honest enough. You see their hand, Father, and you're going to change their perspective. 
Lord, within them, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. You can put your hand down. The Lord hears a prayer. It doesn't need to be a long prayer. It just needs to be a prayer of faith. Those people that I mentioned that have those physical, uh, they are very big possums here. Um, the, uh, those people that had those medical things, would you come forward right now? I want to lay hands on you. It's the foot, it's the neck, it's the eye. It's the, what was the other one? The right foot, back, the back of the neck, the eye, the foot. Okay. Wonderful. I just want you to open your hands. I don't want you to look at me. Everybody here, this is not an audience, it's a congregation. So you're extending your hand as if you yourself need a medical breakthrough. Father, right now, we pray. They are looking to Jesus. You're looking to Jesus. You're seeing your situation. You're seeing the Holy Spirit touch you. The Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, will bring the reality of Jesus' death and resurrection into your physical being. It's the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of healing. Can't demand it. We ask for it though, out of grace. So Holy Spirit, right now, bring healing in Jesus' Name. Thank You, Lord. In Jesus' Name, thank You, Lord. In Jesus' Name, thank You, Lord. Healing. Sir, you've been uh, looking for another job. Uh, you're thinking about another job. Uh, the Lord is going to intervene and help you with that. Um, you're a lot smarter than what you think. You do have an issue with thinking you're not, you shouldn't go for a certain job. There's a job that you should go for. You don't think you'll get it. Go for it. Go for it. The Lord wants to give promotion in your world. Father, just come right now, right now, right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we want to thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. You're at work in this church, Lord. The Holy Spirit is here. The mighty name of Jesus, bringing healing and deliverance. Thank You, Lord. Amen, amen. Okay. I want you to do something for me. <clears throat> All right, it's really important. So I want you to go to your doctors, get the checked up again. And when you get the report and it's all good, you need to tell your pastor, don't just think I feel better, make sure it's checked. So we've got evidence and we can really give glory to God. Okay, amen, amen. Who believes that the Lord is here? Amen. Wonderful. Grab a seat. Thank you. Bless you. Wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. All right. We're going to open the Scriptures. And um, <clears throat> 35 days till Christmas. Don't wait to New Year's Eve to set your life up. Okay. The, the people of Israel, the Jewish people had a tradition. They have a Sabbath. But their Sabbath doesn't start on the Sabbath. It starts on the eve of the Sabbath. This is the eve of your new year. Get yourself sorted, ready to enter the new year. Don't wait for the 1st of January to shift things. Why not begin now? In the book of Revelation 3.20, it says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. How many times have you heard that passage used by evangelists for those who are not Christians? 
Okay, it's not about that because it was written to Christians. Now, I'm, I'm thinking for myself, it's been a big year, and I'm thinking you can do a lot of spiritual activity and you can do a lot of serving, and in fact, you can use, lose yourself in your serving. And so I hear the Lord knocking on my door. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. Will you let me in? My prayer is, Lord, I hope Please, I want to. You want to let the Lord in. He's knocking on your door. Don't say, oh, well, Lord, it's 35 days to Christmas. Can you knock on the 36th day? Don't wait for Boxing Day. It's all done. He who has an ear, let him hear. Do you know that passage is in uh, Revelation 3.20? It's actually at the end of our, after the Lord speaks to the seven churches. Now there was one church in Revelations 2, 2, verse 6. When I read it, well, I'm not going to say it reminds me of me. I don't think I'm that good. But I hope I'm close to them because this is what it says. Revelations 2, 2 to 6. I know your deeds. You worked hard. And you've persevered. I know that you can't tolerate the wicked men, or wicked people, and that you've tested those who've claimed to be apostles, but are not, and you've found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardship for my name, and you've not grown weary. Now, to me, that sounds like a jolly good church, doesn't it? You've worked hard, you've served hard, you've persevered, you've not put up with nonsense. That sounds like a great church, yeah? Who'd like to be part of that church? Sounds like pretty good to me. Then in verse 4, yet I hold this against you. What? You've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. I want to say to you, what's your first love? Most people say Jesus. It's more than that. It's your first love. The love you had first when you got born again. Did you know I grew up in Adelaide? I grew up in an Italian area. When I grew up, I hated Italians. I went to a, a school called Little Italy on the Hill. That's what it was called. Or otherwise it was called Pimple City. We ate strange things. I didn't like them. All the mamas were dressed in black. I thought all Italian women wore black and were as high as they were wide or as wide as they were high. I didn't like them at all. They played this strange game called, they called it football. And I thought, it's not football. Football's AFL. Right? And I just did not like, it's the honest truth. I'm ashamed to say it, but it's the honest truth. And then I get powerfully born again and I go to the first church I go to. The man who disciples me was a man called Danny Gutglamucci, a jolly Italian. <laughs> and I loved him. Then I went to a prayer meeting at a, 
uh, I remember it was St. Cecilia's, it was called, it was a prayer meeting. And the first guy on the door who was so friendly was Joe Timpani and he's still a friend today. Everywhere I went, God put Italians in my world and I love them. And guess what? We planted a church in Southern Italy and it's my favourite church in Naples. Do you know your first love? Your first love is the love you have when you first get born again. You have such a love for God and such a love for people. I used to drive my little 1955 green Volkswagen down Kensington Road in Adelaide and wind down the windows. I was so in love with God and I was so in love with everybody. Everybody thought I was crazy. I used to wind the window down and say, Jesus loves you. <laughs> I used to work in uh, all sorts of strange bands. I was in a band with a, the members of the band called The Saints. I don't know if you know them. They were a hardcore rock and roll band. And they had a soul band and the lead singer, his name was Skull. That's what he was known for. He had a habit of throwing glass ashtrays at people in the audience and then throwing them back at the band. It was quite an exciting band to play in. A little bit like the scene out of the Blues Brother where you need chicken wire to protect yourself. I was a horn player, we used to play soul music. I'd be playing and there'd be two trumpets and two saxophone players. And if there was ever a new trumpet player, I would get him to stand on the end, not me, because Skull had a habit of sticking his tongue in your ear while you're playing. It's gross. <laughs> so these were delightful young men to play with. In his sock, he used to have his sock up to here and in his back he would have a very large knife with a blade and he used to roll down his sock, pull out a big packet of white substance and shove the knife in and go honk. He said, would you like some? And when I got born again, not only did I love Italians, I loved him. And I remember on, on Christmas Eve, we were doing a blues gig <laughs> and out of nowhere he said to me, Richard, why do you love me? And I said, because Jesus loves me and I love you. And he says, you've got to tell me about this Jesus is better than cocaine. I says, he's way better than cocaine, my friend. <laughs> Your first love is the love you have when you first get born again. You know that overwhelming love you have for God and you have for everybody. Just everybody. And you know, when you, you, you like that, you win people, you win everybody to Jesus. Because love just oozes out of you. That's the first love we need to return to. Do you know, no one's going to get born again by your hard, serious serving. They're going to get born again by the love of Christ that oozes out of you. I'll serve. Put the chair here. The chair there. I've been doing it for three flipping months. Puff. And the pastor hasn't said anything to me. And look at that person over there having a coffee. What are they doing? They're not helping. And they think worshipping. That's not serving. They love to sing anyway. And look at them. They're all prima donnas. And why aren't they doing the real work? And where is the pastor anyway? Why isn't he leading by example? I think, why is no one... I think I'm going to go to another church where I'm appreciated. Repent. It says, really interesting in this, 
Verse 5, verse 6 says a little phrase that is often overlooked. It says repent, but verse 5, verse 6, it says, but you have this in your favour. Okay, you've done this, this and this and this, and but you, you're forsaking your first love, but you have this that you have in your favour. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Who are the Nicolaitans? Nico, where we get the word Nike, which means victory, or Nico means ruler, means benefactor. Nicolation comes from Laos, which means people. Do you know what it means? Rule of people. Being the factor over people. You don't like that. You've got that going for you. Isn't that interesting? I want you to keep that thought in mind. Now we get to the passage that I want to unpack. But I want to give you some context. It's going to be Luke 22. You know what's really interesting is uh, just before, we're going to read this passage, but before this passage, let me give you some context. It's the Last Supper that happens before that. And what happens is we know if you read the Gospels, it's in all the Gospels, John's a little different. We know that in this context, there's a scene where Jesus demonstrates what servanthood is by washing their feet. Then he's at a table where he, it's the most profound prophetic statement. He prophesies what's going to happen and he's, he's got this intimate deal going on. He's sharing about suffering. He breaks bread, takes a cup, right? What do you think their response would be? What staggers me is this verse is exactly straight after it and this is what it says. Luke 22, verse 24 to 30. And also a dispute arose among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. (laughs) Can you believe that? I can, because that's what I would do. But I just love it. Also. Do you know there's going to be always an also in church? Because these guys are like us. God knows the most profound things in our lives and we also want to have a dispute. Also, about who's the greatest. Who's the greatest? Uh, Now, here's a thought. Do you know there's a book called From Good to Great? I reckon someone should write a book from called Not Good to Great, but Great to Good. Do you know why? Jesus is not called the great shepherd. He's called the good shepherd. And sometimes in our attempt to be the greatest, we forget that we just need to be good. Just the thought. Also a dispute among them arose, which is she should be the greatest. And Jesus said, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. There's the word you could translate it, Nicolaitans. Kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. Those who exercise over uh, exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. 
Now, I'm going to deal with the two core issues. My wife shared on this in our church last week beautifully. But I'm going to, there is one line in here which often gets overlooked, which is the core of what Jesus is trying to say. Now, Jesus does with, deals with the two issues that we ought not have. One is the heavy use of, of leadership or imposing on people. We're meant to serve people. We're meant to serve. The second deal he deals with is actually you ought not think of yourself too highly. You should be like the youngest. Now, I'm going to pick that up in a moment too as well. Now, I have a ton of also's in my life. A ton of them. Also's. But what about this, Lord? But what about that? And there's a, the, the, the deepest angst, the deepest also's in me are within me. And they're against myself. And I have these battles on the inside about, I think, what the, why are they and this, and how come they've got that, and I've, and this. I don't know if you're like that. We have all these also's inside, and we have a ton of those also's because of the issue of uh, what we call equity, what's fair. And all of this stuff Jesus knows and is, is dealing with, and what's really interesting, he's dealing with these sort of issues around a table. I would say to you that, in fact, throughout Luke in particular, Jesus has these really decent conversations, very challenging, they're always around a table. Just as an aside, I would say to you, if you're going to have a crucial conversation with somebody, make sure you've got relational equity, a relational input, make sure you're doing it in a relational context. Don't just drop bombs on people. We live in an age where people just making statements on Instagram and Facebook, dropping bombs all the time. And they don't even know the person. It's really important. Jesus does all the heavy work around table talk. I like table talk. <laughs> it's really important. Now, so Jesus deals with and it, it's really important, if you look at the passage yourself, if you, if you go to your Bible and have a look, the writer of Luke, Luke is a doctor, so he's very orderly in how he writes, and he uses comparisons and parallels. Now, he uses a phrase in this passage, not to and to be, and he contrasts them. You are not to be like, and twice he says you are to be like. So he says, you're not to be like benefactors who lord it over him, but you're to be like, and he does this twice. The first one he says that you are to be like the youngest. Now, it's only Luke that uses the phrase youngest. In Matthew and Mark, it uses servant. It's only Luke that uses the youngest. Now, why? Well, Luke was a Gentile. He was an outsider. Mark and Matthew were insiders. If you're an outsider, you feel like you're excluded. 
So using the word youngest is really important. Now there are three words for a child or a young person in script in, in, the, in the original language. One is for baby, one is for child, and one is for a young teenage between 12 to 15. That's this word. What he's saying is, you have to feel like a person who's uninitiated or about to be initiated, who knows you don't know. He says, you need to be like that. If you're gonna be great, because they're the ones who are talking about greatness, then you need to be like a young person. Now, I want you to think for a second, what were you like when you were 12? What was Dan like when he was 12? He would have been monstrous. He would have been a nightmare. He would have been climbing up trees. Look, mum, look, one hand. He'll be riding the bike with no hands. Look, mum, no hands, no teeth. (laughs) What is a 12-year-old like? They are into everything. They will have a crack at everything. They don't care. They know they don't know, but they'll just have a crack at it anyway, yeah? 12-year-olds, right? They they just want to include everybody, right? So all of a sudden you're at home and and your 12-year-old turns up with all their mates unannounced and, Mum, is there anything to eat? Whoop, they go to the refrigerator that's like a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) They're into life, Yeah? They don't worry if they're gonna end up with a broken arm or ride this or do that or whatever. They just have a crack at it, yeah? What he is saying is that if you wanna be great in this world, you've gotta know that you, you've gotta throw yourself in. You've gotta have a go. You have to try things. You have to experiment. You have to include people. See, Luke was an outsider. It was hard for the Jews to include the Gentiles. So he's speaking from that angle. What he's saying is actually, if you want to be great, you've got to think like an outsider, not like somebody who owns the territory. You've got to have your heart open. You've got to be ready to embrace life, have a crack at life. Don't be an old poo bar. Stop wearing poo brown. Get some just like, huh? Oh, I am wearing poo brown. (laughs) My wife is so encouraging. Like, you've got to embrace it all, yeah? What does a 12-year-old worry about? They don't worry about their superannuation. (laughs) Now, please, don't get me wrong. Superannuation is very good, okay? (laughs) Health insurance, all that stuff. But what I'm saying is that that attitude. You know, a 12-year-old know they don't know, but they don't care they don't know. So he says, you've got to be like that. The second thing that he says is that you need to be like one who serves. That's obvious. Now, have you ever thought the difference of good service in a restaurant and poor service? Well, I tell you, I've just been in India. Uh, Incredible service. I mean, you may not like what turns up on the plate, but it's still good service, right? They're at you all the time. Yes, sir, would you like this? And oh, Yes, I would like this. No, we don't have any of that. Well, yes, we have that. I think, do we have it or not? No. But they are just so incredible. The service is awesome. <laughs> 
But have you been to restaurants where you, you're sitting at the restaurant and your cup is, and you're, and you're going, ah, trying to get an eye, and then you're saying to your wife, can you get their eye? And then you're saying to the friends are with, can you get their eye? And you can't get them. Good services, they are already taking the initiative. Jesus says something about the disciples. He says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends because a friend knows what the master wants. We need to be those people that are young, taking the initiative, getting involved. We don't wait for the ministry who does the meals to take a meal to somebody who needs a meal. We don't wait for the missions train to do a mission strip before we think of actually our mission centre is right in our neighbourhood right next door. We don't wait for the intercessory prayer team to pray for some need. We pray. Now, we get to this outstanding twist. And this is the core of what I believe Jesus is trying to get at and we miss it. I've missed it so many times. Verse 27, if we can put it up there. For who is the greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? Just read that again yourself. Who's the greater, the one who serves or the one who's at the table? What does Jesus say? It's the one who's at the table. The greatest is the one who's at the table. Now, what Jesus is trying to say, and if you take this right back to where he's having the meal, they're all arguing about who's the greatest. Well, none of them are great because they wouldn't be great unless they were invited by Jesus in the very first place. Do you know why we're great? Not because we serve, but because he has invited us into his kingdom. And guess what? If you know that you don't deserve to be invited, guess what you do? You serve. The issue is not outward service because that's what that church was doing. I know your good deeds. I know your perseverance. I know all of that. But you felt your first love. If you're serving, putting those chairs down and wanting people to be blessed, there's a problem there. Do you know why people leave churches and get offended? It's because they're serving for the wrong jolly reason. If you've been invited somewhere and you don't deserve to be invited, you are so overwhelmed by the invitation itself, you go, oh my goodness. This happened to me. I got this invitation. It was before emails. Well, I'm not, no, we had emails. Did we have emails? It was a long time ago, you know, when the dinosaurs were around? Yeah. It was a fax. We get this fax and it says, Richard is invited to such and such, one of my heroes in the faith. This fax. And I thought, I said to my uh, a secretary at the time, I said, I think I've sent it to the wrong Richard. Can you ring up? So they rang up. They're the person's secretary. And he said, no, that's right. It's the invitation to Richard. Now, I'm so trusting. 
I got somebody else on our team and said, can you ring? <laughs> and they rang. And they said, no, it's correct. I said, really? And do you know when you get invited somewhere and you didn't think you should get invited, you get very nervous? I thought, what's the dress code? So I've got somebody else on our team to ring and say, what's the dress code? So I get there, right? And it's like a big thing and it's like a wedding, you know? They've got the round tables and they come in the back and I'm looking. No name. Okay, over this one. No name. Get over this one. No name. I'm panicking now. No name. No name. And I'm thinking, it is a mistake. And just as I'm about to walk out the door, person down the front, right down there, said, hey, Richard. And I go, where's Richard? <laughs> Richard, where's this Richard? He's annoying. He's, they're calling him, Richard. And then I think, then they send someone to grab me. They grab me and pull me up and put me on the head table next to the blooming key grand poobah. And I'm sitting there overwhelmed that not only am I invited, but I'm sitting at his right hand and I'm going, oh my goodness. So guess what I do? Have you got enough bread? Would you like some of my bread? It's one of those things where they put the, one gets the chicken and one gets the steak and I know this one likes the steak and I don't like that thing. And I say, will you have mine? Oh, you know, and I'm serving and then I'm jumping around giving everybody drinks and... Because guess what? When you're overwhelmed that you don't deserve to be there, you serve. Do you know what we need to recapture? See, the problem with Martha wasn't that she, she served. She served. But she lost sight of the one who was in front of her. Yeah, you should put those chairs out. I love putting chairs out. Jesus, this is your chair. You love me so much, I'm born again, I'm destined to live with you forever and I'm putting this chair down as an act of love to you. And I am praying while I put this chair down, because I'm Pentecostal and I'm allowed to. And I'm really Pentecostal, so I've got a jar of oil in my thing. And if I was really, really Pentecostal, a shadadadakada oil and then a flag. <laughs> and if I was super, super Pentecostal, it would be oil, oil, flag, and then a... <laughs> <laughs> Everything we do is meant to be worship. Coming out of our first love. And do you know what happens? And it happens, it happens to me. It happens to all of us. We so want to be great that we overdo it. God doesn't actually want us to be great. He wants us to be good. When God created the earth and finished each day, what did he say? Wow, that was great. No, he didn't. He says, that was good. He's the good shepherd. Goodness and mercy We need to take the pressure off. Some of us are trying so hard, so, so hard to be the greatest. We just have got to come back a notch. If we just focus on being good, I suspect we'll regain some territory. 
we need to regain why we serve. Every single person here should be serving, but not because to serve, but as an expression of love. Of love. Do you know what I love about this church, Kathy and I? We love this church. Now, I, well, I won't, I won't speak on behalf of Kathy. I'll just speak on behalf of me, otherwise I'll get into trouble because I am wearing poo brown. <laughs> Do you know what I love about this church? You're so ordinary. You're just normal. You look normal. And love oozes. We walk in here, you're all friendly. You're lovely. All ages. It's beautiful. All we have to be, sorry, we need to reclaim an awareness that not a single one of us deserves to be in the presence of the Lord. And out of that, he'll do the rest. He'll do the rest. Would you close your eyes? Not one of you, not one of you can get to heaven by being good. Not one. You might say, well, I kept all the Ten Commandments. Really? Well, you know what Jesus said? He said, look, if you have a bit of a wandering eye and look at a woman and go, hmm, and she's not your wife, you commit adultery. Well, you say, well, I don't have that problem. Well, he says, what about this then? You're driving in the traffic and you're mad with somebody and you say, you fool. If you call someone fool, it's like committing murder. Have you ever looked at somebody else's house and thought, gee, I want that house. Well, you've broken that commandment too. And then Jesus says, if you commit break one, you can broken them all. The reason Jesus came is because we can't do it in our strength. But He made it so easy for us because of how difficult it was for Him. He died on a cross, a death that is for the guilty and we're guilty. And He died in our place, but He just didn't die. But He rose from the dead. That means you can live forever. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.